0: Good evening and welcome to November's Book Club where we are reviewing the book Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens with our regular panel, Alice Golding, Felicity Radcliffe and Jean Fairbairn. Good evening, ladies.
1: Good evening. Good evening.
0: Now, who recommended this book? Oh, it was me, wasn't it? Sorry, it was <laughs> me. <laughs> OK, so I shall just say a bit at the beginning. What I'll do now, I'm going to read the um, two reviews I found. And then I'll do my review, which is nothing like your reviews because I haven't done any preparation because I've been so busy. I've also had a cold, so um, I haven't been my normal self. But anyway, let me give you the uh, positive um, uh, review, first of all. And this was, I think, from The Guardian. Where the Crawdads Sing is a debut novel by Delia Owens, an American wildlife scientist. The main storyline spans in a date-jumbling, tension-building order, 1952 to 1970, following Kaya Clark between the ages of six and 25, as she grows up alone in a shack in the swamp lands of North Carolina after being abandoned by her family. She learns from the wildlife around her, gaining tricks of camouflage to evade truant officers and acquiring hunting skills to feed herself and catch mussels and fish to sell through shopkeepers in the town beyond the creek. As a human who knows only nature, all Kai's reference points come from her surroundings and her creator's day job. Her observation that mother animals and birds always return to their young, leads her poignantly to believe that her childhood solitude will be temporary. When, as a teenager, she starts to attract attention from two towny boys, kind working class Tate and arrogant posh boy Chase, her dating rituals are drawn observing the sex life of fireflies. She also crucially observes the dangers of predation in the wild. Kaya is a vivid and original character. At times her survival in isolation comes close to superheroism, but Owens convincingly depicts the instincts and calculations that get Kaya into and out of difficulties. Without too much sentimentality, There is a strong emotional line in her desire to have a shred of family. The potential soppiness of a coming of age romance is also offset by the possibility that Kaya is a murderer. Although Owens has studied the big beasts of crime fiction sufficiently to leave room for doubt and surprises. So that's the positive one. And then we did have a negative one. This is from Olivia Chin from the Union University Library. Is there any book within the last three years that has spent as much time on the New York Times bestseller list as Where the Crawdads Sing? Every time I've checked the list recently, Where the Crawdads Sing is high up on it, even though it was published two years ago in 2018. A book this popular and beloved definitely piques the interest. So now I have finally taken on the time to read and review it. I didn't like this book, but I'm in the minority of readers here. All of my library co-workers who read this book loved it. I hated the grammar and writing style in this book. There are tons of sentences that are technically run-ons. There's also a sentence that refers to the Andrews family as the Andrewses. It made me physically cringe. Delia Owens continues with this kind of writing throughout the book, and honestly, it drove me crazy. I understand that maybe she was trying to make her writing voice similar to that of Kaya, but it just didn't click. And one last thing. The romances, if you can call them that, fell very, very flat. The men that Kaya gets involved with treat her terribly. I would have loved to see Kaya developing other relationships, like friendships instead of these toxic ones. Who should read Where the Crawdads Sing? Readers who enjoy historical fiction and nature writing and who can overlook the inconsistent writing and dialogue. Who shouldn't read Where the Crawdads Sing? Readers who want believable dialogue and character development. Readers who are editors and will be itching to edit edit this book. Content note, language, brief suggestion scenes, racism and sexism that was typical of the 60s. Okay, so two very different reviews. And as I know, Fliss is always hot on editing. And um, Jean is always very, very hot on dialogue. I'm very, very interested to hear what you say about both. But from my points of view, my best friend, Lynn Perriman, she recommended this book to me and I absolutely loved it. I couldn't put it down. I mean, it was handy because I had to spend a day in court. So um, I read a great deal of it when I was sitting waiting. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It hooked me on the first one, first pages when The mother went down the road with her suitcase, and I knew then she wasn't going to come back. As soon as I read it, I knew she wasn't going to come back. And that's gripped me from then on in. I thought the character Kaya was was a joy um, thrown into a dreadful situation, being left at such a very young age. I would imagine that there are parts of America that are very, very similar to this. The fact that Delia Owens is a scientist, she was a, what what did she say at the beginning? What sort of scientist was she? Um, A wildlife scientist. I mean, she obviously knew all about animals. There's no question about that. And um, I just found I found the dialogue wonderful. I found the descriptions of the wild, the descriptions of the birds, you know, the gulls, the red beaked gull that came down whenever she fed them. I thought it was a joy. And I did see the film straight afterwards, which I thought was a total and utter waste of time. It was nothing like the book. It couldn't hold you like the book did. Um, it didn't have the descriptions that the book had. With regard to what the negative reviewers said, as I said, I'd be interested to see what Fliss and Jean say. So that was it, my darlings. I just thought it was wonderful, and I'm absolutely delighted that I read it. And I would advise everybody in the world to read it, even though it's published two years ago, and we do try and review uh, books that have just been released or published. But there you are. So there you are. So who am I going to go to first?
2: I think I'm going to go to Fliss first okay thank you sue so i first read this book when it came out 2 years ago or or whenever so before i started thinking about it for this program i thought i'm not going to reread immediately i'm just going to think 2 years later what actually stays with me for that reading because i do read a lot of books and sometimes i forget them completely or just remember parts of them And what stayed with me from Where the Crawdads Sing was the sense of place, the wonderful descriptions of the wildlife. So that was all still in my head. I still had those pictures of Kaya and her environment and her struggle to survive. That was all still very strong with me. The bits that I had forgotten about were the, um, the court case, the trial, that aspect of the book. And actually, when I started to recap, I thought, well, for me, this book is a bit of a game of two halves. So there's all the descriptions of the wildlife and the place, which I found incredibly evocative. You know, you can tell that this woman is a naturalist and understands the natural world. The bits that I found more pedestrian and forgettable were um, the court case and even the sort of the the twist at the end—I've sort of read better twists, um, frankly. So for me, it was it was a little bit of a curate's egg. Having said that, I did o- I did overall enjoy it, but I think it's a book that's about atmosphere, the strong sense of place, uh, and some of the characters who are well drawn. What is less important is the plot, which, as I say, I found a bit a bit plodding, particularly towards the end. I found the the relationships. I think, as the negative reviewer said, the not Tate. Tate was a good guy, wasn't he?
0: Chase. Chase. That's right. Chase. Chase was a posh boy.
2: Yes. So Chase, I found a bit um, one dimensional. You know, your standard sort of jock straight out of. Um, central casting. Tate, I found the descriptions of the relationships between Kaya and Tate very um, touching in places and I found the character of um, of Kaya herself very compelling and uh, did find, find myself rooting for her through all her sort of trials and tribulations and found herself very resourceful. Where I started to lose credibility a bit was towards the end when she becomes a fully-fledged author and scientist incredibly rapidly. I found, for me, that sort of stretched credulity a bit. But perhaps, perhaps given that, uh, you know, there's uh, those of us on this programme striving to become authors herself, the sort of ease with which she did it was a little, a little um, slick, for me. But yeah, uh, certainly in the earlier parts of the novel, I did um, really root for her and um, the struggles that she that she went through. Yeah, she was feisty. She was resourceful. She was shaped by her experience and but not broken by it. Exactly. Uh, So I found all that quite compelling. Uh, I don't think I'll be watching the film I saw, no, the, I I I saw the cover of the um, book on Amazon, which I found annoying. You know, this beautiful sort of um, supermodel type girl on the on the on the cover, not really commensurate with the sort of um, struggle that uh, that Kaya goes through. So yes, I really enjoyed it, and two years on, some aspects of it stayed with me, and I think Malone will will st- always stay with me. But other bits, sort of slid away as as time passed. And uh, I, would, I would recommend it to people with a few reservations, put it that way.
0: Okay, and what about the editing side when the negative reviewers said the editors will not like this book? Do
2: you know what? I did not struggle so much with the style, actually. I think I kind of suspended judgment a bit because the sense of place was so different to my everyday experience. That I just kind of allowed that the style reflected that, if that makes any sense. yeah, um, yeah. I did struggle I w- and I would really um, I'm really looking forward to hearing Jean's opinion on this oh as a God. poetess, but I did struggle with some of the interspersed poetry, which didn't quite sort of move things along for me, but that's my personal opinion.:
0: Yes, I agree with you, actually. I do agree with you. Now going back to the film, the film started with the court case. Which was totally different to the book because the court cases at the end of the book so they were sort of you know doing obviously flashbacks from the court case no i didn't um, although some people i know did see the film and thought it was good but um i didn't at all okay well what we're going to do we're going to go into the first commercial break and then uh, we'll come back shortly welcome back to november's book club where we are uh, reviewing when the Crawl Dads sing, we've already had a review from myself, very brief review, and a much longer one from Liz. And now we're going to go to Jean. So, what did you think of Delia Owen's book, Jean?
1: Well, I thought she's American. I shall hate her. But I loved her. <laughs> I was I was amazed actually. Well, I started off by actually reading reviews, and I was surprised at how negative most of them were. But they were sort of almost personal attacks on her her person. About, um, you know, um, saving well, you know, Africa, whatever, and um, the fact well, that
0: she spent didn't she spend a great deal of time
1: in Africa with her brother, from what I've that's read, right, yeah, and um, doing you know the usual good good works, but there was something about say, a um, ranger who did something wrong and um, she was kind of getting the blame. I don't know, I just thought there were a lot of attacks on her, and I didn't know that that was because she was doing good work. She was American or it was just bad. <laughs> so that surprised me. Th- that review you talked about, The Guardian, how does she expect her to write dialogue? I mean, does she expect her to say, how oh, now brown cow? <laughs> <laughs> the girl from the swamp, you know, <laughs> who's illiterate and everything else. I thought she was quite reserved, actually, in the way she, I mean, she could have, I mean, non-standard English and slang and all that sort of stuff. I thought it was quite easy to understand, whereas it could have been incomprehensible from North Carolina. So I thought it was, I was surprised at the attacks. I was even more surprised that the Guardian should talk such rubbish about it. Really. Did, <laughs> um, did, you, did you read the reviews after you read the book or before? I read the reviews first and I was surprised, I'll say I was surprised at how, negative a lot of them were and i don't know the rest of you found that most of it was negative it seems as if she'd been a, a darling and then something had happened and everyone right. had, kind of ganged up on her but anyway that's almost beside the point but it isn't because i think how you are perceived by people of letters <laughs> like the guardian yes can, can ruin your career Yes, yes. When you oh. read a book, when you, I'm
0: just asking all three of you, actually, when I was reading it, right, I, I always um, visualize what I'm reading anyway. So I was there in the swamp; I could see everything. But I also, when I read, I, I read in their accent. So I'm reading Kaya with a North American accent. If that is That's that, right. but yeah, is that, how, is that how
2: you all read it? Yeah, yeah. I was in North Carolina with you. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I do as well. I definitely, I definitely read in accents. And I yes. think the the better you know accents that I couldn't begin to actually speak in in a normal course <laughs> or of life. embarrass
0: yourself like I have
2: just done. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, and I think the better the better the dialogue, the better the better it works in your head. So for me, the absolute master of that is Irving Welsh. You know where you find you're you're, you're speaking with a sort of fluent Scottish accent because his writing is so good. But I, I I don't think J. L. Owens is in quite that league. But yes, I found myself responding in that way. Okay,
1: carry on, <laughs> Jean, I Interrupted you. So you started reading it. Yes, and I was amazed at the um how beautiful it was. It was also very animated. I was thinking of um Ruskin's pathetic fallacy. You know where <laughs> the the world is animated. So the, the swamp was a, was alive, wasn't it? It was apparent. It yes. had a face. Yes. As saliva. I was quite amazed at how human she she made the imagery, the writer. She made it human, she made it apparent. So the swamp was apparently sort of enclosed her. Um, And it was quite beautiful in places as you were hooked straight away to, I I was too, by the language. And um, I thought it was very accessible and quite true. I thought it was very realistic. And, you know, you felt that you were there. In the swamp, they haven't got crocodiles or alligators in there, which I was quite...
0: No, no, they weren't mentioned at all. It was just the birds, the birds, the birds.
1: birds, yeah, and the the crawdads. And it was safety. It was her safe place because she had nowhere else. I loved it. I actually thought that um, about the the, um, bird and about the trial, I actually thought halfway through i know what's going to happen tate's going to kill them careful
0: careful spoiler alert spoiler alert don't say rams
1: at the end i'm doing i'm making the end the wrong end because i thought well yes what i thought was it was sort of twisted around so i can't i can't really talk about it can't really talk about it Then. no i love
0: it i was was totally totally and utterly surprised at the end i must admit Mm. i did smile
1: though i did smile well, good for her, you know. Alice bells We I mean, somebody's got some look you know. And if it's not the swamp, <laughs> who is it? You know, the crawdads. It was—I uh, suppose—in some respects, you could say it was unrealistic, and it was very, a very kind of feminist thing, you know, like nature will preserve. Whereas we actually know that Mother Nature is a bit of a cow, isn't she? Can be, yeah. But um, it's but all look, to do with survival.
0: Surely it's all to do with survival, Mother Nature. That's right. And um, she
1: managed to just about survive. She probably had rickets, I would have thought, but anyway, mind. Um, yeah, loved it. loved it. Loved it. Loved it. And what did you think about what Fliss said that she thought
0: it was not quite credible that she suddenly got this contract to uh, write this wonderful book and all her, and she got publishing right straight away? What do you think that was just. Uh, just a minor thing that really wasn't the main part of the book. I
1: think she was probably quite faded early on, and then something happened, and the, uh, the press, and the media, and the uh, marketing seemed to all turn against her. But I will have to investigate and come back to you on that one because I'm not quite uh,
2: sure. Though what I what I meant was um, the character of Kaya in the book, rather than the author yeah. herself. Not she. She, she she kind of goes from being um being. Pretty much illiterate to being a fated author and a scientist in a remarkably short time.
1: That well, that was wish
3: wishful, wasn't it? Well, no, I think I think that was because of Tate. Tate got her the publishing gig, didn't yeah. he? yeah. That's how she got published so easily was because he had a colleague who. Um, And he sent off some of her pictures and said, look, this is really, really good. She knows what she's talking about. Have a look at her work. And so he was the one that introduced. So it's not what you know, it's who, you know, in this in the business, you know, so that's what got her the gigs. Yeah, In
1: in some respects, um, I felt I thought of Kipling and the Jungle Book and Moundling Mm
3: -hmm. and -hmm. being
1: brought up by... um, you know, tigers, snakes and various bears, various creatures. And I thought it was a kind of, if I was cynical, <laughs> that she'd read the <laughs> Jungle Book or something and she'd made it into the Swamp Book and changed
0: that. I don't know. I think Kylie, she was very resourceful, wasn't she? She knew what was all around her to um, um, but, to keep going and to remain alive. But also, you know, her emo- apart from the physical thing, it's the emotional thing. She had
1: nobody there. You know, she was
0: deserted by everybody, including her brother, who she loved.
1: Ten years of ten, yeah, but of course she's not real. So if I was a cynic, I'd say she took the Jungle Book and made changed gender and
0: made it.
1: Okay, Okay. that is being very cynical, Jane. Uh, Yeah, I'm sorry about that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, right, Alison. Um, Well, I was. I I would never have picked this book up. for a start, it's an American author. It's set in the it's set in the 50s and 60s in a in a in the backwaters of America and in swamps and various other places. So um that would have turned me off straight away. Um but actually I was really surprised. I really enjoyed this book. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't notice any of the grammar stuff, I just put it down to the fact that it was written by an American and that was why <laughs> the writing was as it was. So I, I just I didn't didn't really didn't uh, didn't phase me that the the style of writing which was one of the criticisms from um you know the the that whatever it was that you read review that's the word I'm looking for sorry menopause brain here um okay so yeah I mean I I love the sense place it was just absolutely fantastic her writing was so so beautiful and um, she's got all the the senses she used all her senses in her writing. The touch, Kaya laid her hand upon the earth, breathing wet earth, and the marsh became her mother. So that's her touch, smell, the aroma of sausage and biscuits, boiled turnip greens and fried chicken. I thankfully overtook the high smell of fish barrels lining the dock. So again, she's using her smell there. Uh, sound, um, then she swore louder and... Meaner than the wind, which I thought was quite a sweet way of putting it. When you swear louder and meaner than the wind, Um, and you know, uh, if anyone understood loneliness, the moon would. So I thought she's got some really, you know, lovely sense of phrases and things like that. And also, I love some of her the the some of her scientific things that she brought to the fore, which were, were really quite interesting. So one of the facts was the penis of male damselfly. Is equipped with a small scoop which removes sperm ejected by a previous opponent before he supplies his own. <laughs> so I thought that was quite fascinating. And um, red gulls only when the chicks are pecked, they they only get fed. So they've got a little red speck on their nose, and they only get fed if the chick pecks at the the, the speck on the gull's nose. And if they don't, if the but if the red spot gets covered with anything, the chicks won't hit it, and the gulls won't open their mouths, and the 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 chicks will die. So mm. I thought that was quite interesting as well as another little fact. <laughs> she does a beautiful um, description of the praying mantis, um, when <laughs> eating the eating the the head off and chewing the male <laughs> after. After they've been, um, you know, enjoying themselves. So I thought that was really it was quite, that was really well done. So, yeah, so she's got some lovely things and it was really well structured as well. I, I like the structure of the book. <clears throat> she went sort of, so it sort of starts off, so it's going in chronological order. So it starts off when she's very, very small and then it starts where they find the body of Chase, and then both things go forward in a slightly different way. So I I, I really like the structure of the novel. I thought it worked really well. Um, so I thought that was quite quite good because it's they, they it sort of it drip feeds the evidence and why she why she gets taken in for murder towards the end of the book. And then there's the trial, and that for me reminded me a bit of the Pelican Brief. Um, so it sort of turned from one thing into then the Pelican Brief. So you know, I mean, I you know, I thought that was fine. Um, so yeah, I mean, it did it racked up the the tension in the courtrooms. Um, what um Fliss was saying about the characters, though, I I, I thought Kaya was brilliant. Thought so she the the way that the main main character is really really good. But I did feel that some of the other characters were um a little bit, you know, like the sheriff was like any meantime meantime sheriff. That you sort of you see on the telly type of thing, you know. Um, it, it, so, the, is it cliched character? I felt that some of them were a little bit cliched. Same with jumping. Um, you know, he was he was a great character, but you, you tend to, you felt that he was a little bit of a cliched <laughs> character. Um, so, so that was my thing. and also the same same with um, the same with Chase as well. He was a typical, you know, jock type. You know, rich boy syndromey person, and that was all he was. So, it, it, some so some of the characters were cliched. I mean, I didn't think Kay was. I think Kai was absolutely perfect. She was brilliant. But some of the secondary characters, I did feel, were a little bit like that. Um, and Tate, I did. I wasn't quite sure about Tate. I don't think she was very sure about Tate either. He started off as one thing, then became another, and then reverted back to how he was in the, the beginning. So. And um, I don't know whether that was because he went off to college or what, just grew up or whatever. But I, I, I got a little bit confused with what he was supposed to be. Um, what else have I got here? Um, yeah, um, I think the, the it did sort of touch briefly on sort of um, racism and sexism in the book, but it was was really only sort of touched on. And I mean, if you think about it, at the time it would have been fifties and sixties, so the, the sort of you know the civil rights movement would be at its peak but um it it, that was sort of really ignored you know everything about that was completely ignored really there was just a couple of little scenes where you you could feel the the tensiony bits but that was all that that, there was really there.
0: Alice Um, I'm just gonna have to interrupt you for a second because we are running out of time into the commercial break so I will come back to you shortly. Welcome back to November's Book Club with our panel, Felicity Radcliffe, Alice Gording and Jean Fairbairn, where we reviewed the book When the Cool Dads Sing by Delia Owens. It's very, very positive review from all the ladies. And um, Alice, we interrupted you. So do you want to just finish off your thoughts?
3: Though I didn't really have an awful lot more to say, really. Um, I think Tate uh, being Kaya's first love and friend, I think... It, that was I found that quite difficult because everybody left her. Her dad left her mum left her, dad left her, her family left her, her Jody left her, and then the person that she trusts in the world t- leaves her. Um so I, you know, she she finds it difficult to trust him when he comes back into the picture. So um, but then sometimes I sort of thought, although everybody leaves, she's and she's alone. She's not always lonely, which I thought was a really nice thing to take from the book. Um, She found she found, you know, the, the 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 marshes and the birds and all the rest of it. And she didn't feel that she was alone when she was there. So I thought that was that was quite an interesting thing to think. Um, The poetry I completely ignored. I didn't even read it because I don't like poetry. <laughs> so um, I'm afraid I didn't even read that. Um, so it was quite, uh, it was interesting that the little, there was a little twist there about the, um, the Anne, was Anne Hamilton or something, which actually isn't, isn't that the name of Nelson, was the name of Nelson's mistress, but anyway, I might have got, might have got yeah, Emma, Emma, Hamilton. Emma, <laughs> Emma Hamilton. Yeah, Emma Hamilton. Emma, Emma Hamilton. Oh, well, there you go then. <laughs> I'm rubbish at history. Because I, think, I I'm research, reach, research, recently novels, but there we go anyway. So yeah, so it wasn't my usual read. Um, I I wouldn't have picked it up. Um, so but I, so I was surprised at how much uh I enjoyed the story, and um, from the opening pages, I was sort of sucked in like the swamp mud, and <laughs> and I was stuck reading till the end. <laughs> Um, and it brought a tear to my eye literally uh, so and um, that doesn't happen very often in a book so yeah I, I would recommend this book there we yeah, go perfect. that was all so, I had
0: to say so totally recommended by the
3: panel now
0: uh, next month is December we're going to have a book club we thought about not because it's Christmas I thought no lights happening to the ladies so let's have a book club so Felicity you've decided we're going to have a male author we've done far too many female authors so we're going to have a male author Yes. So we
2: we thought for a change, we would review a thriller. So we're going to review the first in the two books by John Grisham called The Whistler. Uh, And this is described, if I may just uh, read a bit of the review, um, Sue, from the New York Times bestseller uh, list. It calls it a high high stakes thrill ride. Through the darkest corners of the sunshine state from the author held as the best thriller writer alive by ken follett and it says we expect our judges to be honest and wise their integrity is the bedrock of the entire judicial system we trust them to ensure fair trials to protect the rights of all litigants to punish those who do wrong and to oversee the flow of justice but what happens when a judge bends the law or takes a bribe. So it's all about corruption in the legal system in
3: in Florida. Yes. So, typical uh, John Grisham. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, didn't he write didn't he write the Pelican Brief?
0: Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and the clients and oh loads. I've, I've read most of them. Very, very good. Very good read. Look forward yes. to that, bless Very good. Very good. Good. You happy with that, Jean? Yeah, I
1: don't usually read men, as you know. <laughs> Oh well, this will be
2: an excuse. I usually re- just read ladies. Okay. treat it, treat yourself to a man for Christmas. Why and do you just it's... read ladies? I just find
1: lady <laughs> because I wrote a paper on it, and I had to.
2: Well, if I, if this makes makes the pill any easier to swallow, Jean, the main character in this book is uh, a woman. So we can judge good. how – it'd be interesting to see how good John Grisham is at creating um, female characters. Female, yeah,
1: this is it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, you think of, if you think about the 19th century, I'm stuck in the 19th century. All those ladies, all those Brontes and Gaskells and all those ladies just twitching their skirts,
2: just clearing <laughs> the light, you know. I don't <laughs> think you're going to get much skirt twitching in this. No, I don't think so. You know how
0: Alice loves all that, the skirt <laughs> Don't you, Ellie? Coming to the end of the year, when we do review, we will come to the end of um, the series six of Huntsford, our serial uh, soap drama, which is written by Helen Cooley Jean Fairburn, and Felicity Radcliffe and Tim Latham. Felicity is the script manager. And it's all been very excited because we've had two new, apart from Helen, we've had new writers this year. And we're ending on a wonderful cliffhanger. So if you'd like to sort of, obviously you can't s- tell what happens, this, but you can just give us a brief overview of it.
2: Yes, absolutely. So I think we have got a really exciting New Year um, cliffhanger for you uh, this year, involving our arch baddie Alistair, the man that everybody loves to hate. It's a real race against time and a real sort of will-they-won't-they. They. And... Uh, and we have the, uh, obviously the Christmas wedding is coming up, the wedding of the year. And uh, the question is, is it going to happen? Will it go according to plan? Is there going to be a spanner in the works? And um, is our arch baddie going to get what's coming to him? So um, I'm actually really excited to hear how the um, the, the script's all written. So the storylines are in the bag. But I'm really looking forward to seeing how the actors come up with the or relish the challenge that we've set them. Because always at New Year, we we set a bit of a challenge to the actors. You know, last year, memorably, it was Raymond's amazing um, monologue at uh, Charlotte's Bedside. And um, this year we've got um, a tour de force by one of the other actors, I can't really say who without spoiling the surprise. No, don't. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think it will be really exciting. And then as we go on into series seven at the beginning of next year, then we're starting off with some, with some new, new plot lines and some characters having a real chance to um, reinvent themselves and uh, kickstart their lives into different directions. So that'll be exciting as well. So, yeah, if you want to start, if you haven't listened to Answers yet and you want to start listening to it and get a bit of excitement in, then um, I would say start now, enjoy the new year cliffhanger, and then um, kick off in earnest with uh, Season 7.
0: Yes. And also you can go to our website, hcfm.co.uk UK, forward slash drama forward slash Hansford, and you'll see all the characters. You will see all the times you'll be able to listen or download any of the episodes so you can catch up with what's going on. And I'm delighted to say that our, our view, our figures, because obviously we air twice a week um, and then an omnibus on Sunday. So it's Monday, Tuesday morning. Tuesday afternoon, Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon with an omnibus on Sunday and uh, apart from listening live you can also listen online or download and the figures for listening and downloading is just going up every month which I'm absolutely delighted about. So of course this can be listened all over the world, it's not just in Huntington so I'm thrilled to bits. Uh,
2: well I, I, have it, um, I have it on um, good authority that we've actually had some downloads and people listening in Australia um, which is fantastic news but yeah a huge thank you to all the new listeners who've come on board this year and um, we hope we can create some great storylines to uh, keep you with, with us in well, um, uh, 2023
0: well, the actors, well I and the actors look forward all the time to receiving the script so um, yeah absolutely wonderful now the other drama we do that's our soap drama the other drama we do is a comedy drama um, which is um, Amberforth Manor which we air every month on the last Friday of Scribblers Hour every month. And we've just coming to the end of season two and uh, Jean is taking over the writing with Helen Cooley and Fiona Ritchie. Uh, Fiona is our diarist of the week. You can catch her very, very funny uh, monologues on our um, on Scribblers Hour every, every Friday night at seven o'clock. But you can also, again, listen and download on from our website. So we're coming to the end of season two, aren't we, Jean? And oh. you read the last episode, and then we'll be going into season three um, with hopefully some interesting storylines. Again, about the colonel, his his Bulgarian
1: wife, and the family, and of course the uh, the ons from next door. It's very funny. I, we've got the wonderful Ben West, who features, and your friend, who's brilliant, um, thingy Bobby Fairmont. Um, when all the plays Lady Bossom
0: and Ben West plays the colonel
1: Colonel the yes quite well the Colonel I adore the colonel um the actors of course are brilliant one gets used to them and I love the gardener Tom of course Mr Ems played by Roger Ems yeah yeah um and they've all got them they've all got the distinctive voice that one has to kind of well, I actually hear them in my head now they've taken over my room. All these, all these actors and la- ladies and gentlemen, of course, which we hopefully will all meet up again soon because it was quite good seeing them in the flesh.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Well, hopefully soon.
1: Yeah, well, I'm willing.
0: <laughs> okay. All right, Jean, that's lovely. Well, ladies, um, have a wonderful Christmas. Uh, I won't see you till now till after Christmas, so please do have a wonderful time with your family. We will read John Grisham's book, The Whistler, And we'll get together again at the end of December. Thank you, Sue. Okay, take care now. Bye for now. Bye. 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 Bye.